right, morning. All right, uh, good morning. I don't know if you're getting this live stream. We're going. We're trying to work on it. Uh, but hey, go to the regular camera with me. And if you're not getting a live stream, and you're watching this a few days later, we will upload this at some point to YouTube. So uh, that's where we're at this morning. This morning I'm speaking to a room of two people and myself. But we're going to do this class live online prayerfully. If it doesn't click on this class, we'll do the next class uh, as soon as we can because I think there's an overload in the system with everybody hitting YouTube this morning and doing church like this. I don't know if their servers can handle this, but we will record it and post it at another date. So if you're not getting it right now, uh, you will get it. So And we'll post this. So if, Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to spend a few minutes in 2 Peter chapter two, chapter 1. We're going to finish our class on the will of God. And since Eric's up there, I need to clean this and change this over. Uh, so we will go over to this. Uh, so what we're doing is finishing the Will of Man series. This is class number 16 in this. And last week we finished off with verse 4. But I want to go back just for a minute, talk about it. Uh, where we're at and why we're doing this in the will of man, because we're discussing uh, the idea of self-control. And this word is used here in first in Second Peter chapter 1. So I'm going to read verses 3 through 10, and prayerfully that's what we'll finish up with this morning, and we will end this series, and the next series I will start when we all come back together uh, is uh, on... The overview of the whole Bible. So we're going to pray, we're going to read, and then I'm going to tell you, make sure your cell phones are off. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have to. We don't have to worry about spilled coffee this morning. There's a lot of things that make for an empty building other than I miss y'all. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Again, uh, we, we want your hands upon this issue that's a worldwide issue of this corona virus and the rap, rampant spread of it. Father, just uh, help it to be quick. Uh, it's devastating small businesses. We pray for those owners. We pray for the kids that are going to be stuck at home, uh, maybe just be able to play in the yard and so on and so forth. I mean, we're going to just be like it was when I grew up where it says, go out, little Johnny, and play. But, Father, we're not used to that. We're not used to the things uh, that that we uh, are entertained with, the sports world and so on and so forth. is is It's all closed down. But, Father, we... Our resilient people, believers must stand up at this time and, and show by holy conduct that, that there's something bigger and better that w- awaits all of us. Father, again, we thank you for this lesson. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the ability to use electronics and go online and do these classes. In Jesus' name, amen. Second uh, Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love, for these qualities are yours and are increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, 
having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain his call, uh, about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. In this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So last week, well, uh, what we covered in First Peter, we, we talked about our source of our assets and what we have as divine uh, uh, so supplement to us as believers. We have all these wonderful assets, our portfolio, our spiritual portfolio is loaded. It's not something we have to do or become, it's something we are. And one of the things it says that the source here in, in verse 3 is divine power. And I think that's important for us to see. That's the moving force. So when we look at what we have, it's inherent power for what God has given to us. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing knowing that God has done this. So when we describe God, we describe Him as by His characteristic or His attributes of who He is. And when we talk about who He is, this word here in verse 3 is dunamis. God is, God has an inherent power. We call it omnipotent. So all this is provided because of who God is. The name of these assets, or, or, or um, excuse me, the nature of these assets, or basis for these assets, is because He has given them to us. It's been granted to us. It's, it's His grant. So seeing that divine power has granted to us, and He's used this word twice. He uses it verse 3 and verse 4. And it's important to see uh, when... Uh, we look at this word, it's the normal word, which is fascinating, because the normal word for has given or given to us is didomai, and he uses a different word here that basically says it's a bestowment, it's a grant, it's basically an endowment, like if you get an endowment to the art. So God has endowed to us, because of his divine power, certain things, and that's what we're going to look at. This And the scope of these assets we looked at, so the third point is the scope of the assets, is all things, he's given to us all things. Not one or two, and we look at this, and the purpose of these all things, it says, he's given us everything, or all things, pertaining to life and godliness. And I think that's an important verse, because in today's atmosphere, people are looking for an emotion or an experience, and God says, you want something? Read my word, understand my word, and grasp what it says in my word, because I have everything that you need for life and godliness. I think that's pretty clear there. And again, this word godliness that will show up twice uh, is very important, because that's, and we'll look at it later, but that's an important idea to, to grasp that he, we have to have uh, good or right worship. That's what the word means, good or right worship. So God's giving every, uh, us everything for life, for not bios life, but for to live fully, to have a fullness of life, and giving us everything to worship Him properly, how to have a, a, a proper Christian attitude and conduct. Uh, we can even call it, and I think I talked about it last week, faith in shoe leather. So that's the, this is what would it, what is uh, the use of these assets? The use of these assets is to live life to its fullness, and to have a time of worship of God in the right manner, and a worship time. Um, hang on, because I will be getting text throughout this. Okay. Um, fifthly, what's the means of using these assets? How do we tap in or dip into our spiritual portfolio? Obviously, in these crazy times, and I'm dressed like the coronavirus, I hope you notice that, um, in this crazy time, 
that we're dealing with some certain things, uncertain t- things, and our financial por- portfolios might have dumped, our spiritual portfolios never change. And what is the channel by which we can use these assets? And it says, by the true knowledge of him. Again, look at verse 3. It says, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So uh, when we look at these things, it's important for us to see this. Fifth, sixthly, it is an expression of, of, of these assets. What are the expression of these assets? Now, here's the interesting thing. Now, all this is review. We haven't gotten into new material yet, but we will. But what is the expression of that? Verse 4 says, For by these, these things God has granted us through his divine power, for, uh, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So on one hand, we have promises God's given us. And now he's going to talk about how we channel those promises, how we connect to those promises. And remember, the promises are only as good as the promiser. And since God is divine, and it says his divine power, so we know that God is able to do what he needs to do. And if you study out God's attributes, you know that if he's given us magnificent and precious promises, uh, a great uh Adjective there describing promises, precious and magnificent. And Peter likes that word, precious. Uh, and all these things will uh, lead to us. This is how God will express that what we have by making promises to us. In other words, God says, here's my promise to you. And that's how he's expressing what he's given to us. So okay. Now, a promise, and I said this last week, a promise is only good as the promise keeper. And you know, most of the times as we've been promised things, we've become very leery about the promises because we don't trust the promiser. Uh, but God is the one who cannot lie. He cannot change. He controls all events. So therefore, he can be the true promise keeper. Uh, and Peter understood that because uh, he even made Peter many promises. So God makes the promises. So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this? And I think it's interesting because it says in ver- middle of verse 4 uh, for you, that you can be, and this is kind of new material, this is what we're getting in, into, what is the purpose of this? And it says that you might become, that by them, by these promises, that you might become partakers, have that koinonia, uh, fellowship, sometimes we tr- uh, translate that word, uh, uh, or sharers, I like that, we become sharers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we have escaped, and I think um, a better way of saying having, having escaped is, hey, we're escapees. One of the things you can call a believer is we've escaped the corruption of this world. We have been made a new creation in Christ, and, and placed into the body of Christ, and that gives us the escape plan. We're out of reach. How's this? We're out of reach by any pursuit uh, of the corruption of this world. And as we look at today's v- venue, which is kind of interesting, uh, we, we can see quite readily that we need to escape some of the things in this world. Um, so l- let's look at, at some of these things that we can uh, kind of grasp what our responsibility is, and that's what we're really going to look at this morning, is what is our responsibility to this asset portfolio? What are we to do? How are we to be wealthy believers? And I mean that in a spiritual sense, because we are wealthy, we're escapees. How do we handle this? these assets? Because these assets create a responsibility. God says, here's what I've given you through the promises. Now what are you going to do with them? And I think that's important, because these eight qualities of life that Peter brings up 
are not stacked on one another to where you say, oh, if I get this, then I get this, and I get this. Um, and I think the King James has a, a really bad uh, translation there because King James Version says, add to these. So verse 5 says, now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. The word supply there in the King James is the word add. And I don't think we're adding and adding and adding and adding. I say I think and I believe the way this reads is we have this. God has lavished upon us this supply. Uh, and it's all supplied to us, to every believer. Um, so when we look at this idea here of, of being all supplied, uh, we can't look at these as steps. So I have faith and I step to this. Uh, next one would be uh, moral excellence and I take a step because I have moral excellence and I take a step to have knowledge. Uh, we're going to look at something a little different with this because we uh, we have to exercise what God gives us that develops one to another. So where does it all begin? Now, here's what we're looking at. It's not stair steps, but they do telescope into one another. Um, if you notice, it ends with love in verse 7. So we go faith and love, and Paul, Paul includes these, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Why? Because faith is these telescope that gets to love. So love isn't great without faith. Love isn't great without hope. Love is based upon faith. So that's where we're going to go with this. So I hope this helps a little bit. Um, and if you want to look up that verse that has faith, hope, and love, uh, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 13.13. 13. Uh, but all, all eight of these are interconnected. They work together because God has given them all to us. Uh, so, but faith is the beginning point, and faith is the first of all responsibilities to all believers. We come to Christ by faith. We live life by faith. We add faith to faith. Now, what is faith? And that's important for us to see as we look at this, and it's the basis of, uh, we could say faith is the basis of all of God's provisions for us through the word of, that He's given us through His word, and we respond to His word and Hence his promises. Oh, I just noticed something. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, I don't know if you've got it up in the loft, but I need to... Che- oh, you know something? I need... Oh! <laughs> Signs there. Um, there we go. I want to change the view. It's very small, so we'll go to a large view. Bring, bring, bring. That's... Okay. Um, so... We're in verse 5, and I know this is going to be rough for you also, but notice that all these words, and that's why I put it up here as we do this, uh, we can, and I will go over to this, all of these words start with, see how the definite article is there? All these words will have the definite article in them. So we got. So we, Paul's uh, Peter is being very specific. He says the faith. We respond by the faith, and the faith is uh, content of doctrine. How much of the Word of God do you understand that you know that you can apply to life? So let's say it's the first stepping stone that we have here, or first uh, part of the uh, telescope that you're looking into. Let's look at it like that. You're looking into a, a spiritual te- telescope that God's given you the whole thing, and you're looking in it as you're looking in it. Faith is the root of everything else, which triggers the connection all the way to love. So faith is the root, which triggers the connection all the way to love. So one of the things we, we know is... 
verses 3 and 4 talk about our assets, divine provision given to us because of what Jesus Christ done for us and provided for us. And secondly, the divine provision of those promises he's given to us. Now, the responsibility kicks in in verse 5. And, and it takes effort. It takes effort because it says he was he supplied it all to you, but it says applying it, apply, also applying all diligence. For this very reason, also in verse 5, applying all diligence. Diligence, I mean, applying is an interesting word, uh, and I don't think it'll, it'll help to look at this. Uh, uh, maybe it might. Let me see if, if I get it off that. Oh, we're on this. Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay. We're not, it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be harder to do it this way. But the idea here is the word for applying is para ice ferro. Para ice ferro. Para means come alongside. Ice is into. So if you're writing out the word, it's P-A-R-A. I mean P-A-R-E-I-S-I-I. Let's start again. P-A-R. This is hard when nobody's in the auditorium. P-A-R-E-I-S-P-H-E-R-O. Peri. Isafero, basically to, to bring into alongside. So basically, what, what it's saying is, we're applying, uh, this idea of, Paul is, here's what he's doing. Paul's exhorting all believers to make an effort to strive to make a greater effort in the Christian characteristics of life. How is your life matching up to what God has given to you? That's what he's saying. And then he adds the word diligent to this, so applying all diligence, all diligence. Diligence is an interesting word. It basically means zeal, speed, or haste. So Peter adds to this, we must do this with haste. We must do this with speed and zeal in our Christian life. Why? Here's what's going to happen, and I think I've seen this already with the atmosphere and things that are happening in in the times we're in, is we're succumbed to the news. We're succumbed to the uh, pandemic uh, or the panic-demic uh, of what's going on, and we're not living our lives in a godly manner so that we have that faith support system. So if you have some faith, look what it brings forth. And this is, again, the root of it. So you could kind of look at it like this. You plant uh, a, a tree or a flower, it's the seed. Faith is the seed that you put in the ground. As that seed grows and brings up with it, what? Ver, uh, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then, poof, the flower comes up, it's love. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it as we do. Because our, our asset portfolio, we have to make all effort with all of the zeal and speed we have to do what? It says, it gives us a direction. Speed and zeal, uh, all have to have a direction. And that direction is the lavish supply of faith. God has given us enough for life, uh, and godliness through faith. He's given us His Word. So if we look at, again, let's, let's, we're going to walk right through these words now, and that's where we're traveling. The first word we're looking at is the faith, the, or, or idea. This is a strong conviction. When we say the faith, it's a strong conviction based on biblical understanding. What is your doctrinal content? So right now, if we're going through certain things in life, which we all are, how can you apply God's word for the peace that he, he will give you? How do you understand that God's in control? How do you grasp that God has a bigger plan, not just for uh, the uh, temporal, but for the finality, the eternal? And I think that's important. We cannot have any convictions without biblical content. And you'll see, 
when we get to the end, how Peter ties this all together. It's quite interesting. Because you need these things to survive and have life and godliness. Faith begins it. Not food, faith. But you have to take in the food, the nourishment of the Word of God. And I think we said that two weeks ago in this class. So uh, a believer to have strong convictions and not know the Word of God is impossible. A believer has to know the Word of God to be convicted of anything. And I think that's important because strong convictions that faith brings and the understanding of faith will flow to virtue or the New American Standard says moral excellence or the moral excellence. So if you notice, the faith of yours, the faith of yours will bring, will not bring, but then it continues right into the virtue. Virtue is moral excellence, not only in mind, but in body. By exercising faith, here's what we're going to do. By exercising faith, we've been given a content of the Word of God. We're going to exercise faith in the Word of God. And that'll bring about moral excellence. What's what's moral excellence? And I think that's a good question. Now that you haven't written me on on the chat box, but I'll I'll ask the question. Well, what's moral excellence? Well, something's got to set the standard. Who sets the standard for moral excellence? Because the Bible implies there's there is a moral excellence or virtue, uh, however you want to look at that word. Uh, so if there is a moral standard, who sets it? And we know God sets the standard in Philippians. And I will turn to it real quick. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is a well-known verse. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So the, the, the idea here is what's morally excellent is the object that what? That, that you, our thoughts are on. What are we thinking on? What are we focused on? Obviously, if we have the faith, that's where our focus is, which brings about a moral excellence and helps us focus on that. And God is the standard of moral excellence. God says things very simply. What's your standard of life? He says, be ye holy as I am holy. In Matthew chapter 5, he talks about us being, not us, but at that time his audience would be perfect because he's perfect, but that's the same thing for us. We are believers. And when we stay within the Word of God, we abide in Christ, as 1 John says. We, we can't be out of a, a, a relationship with him and in sin because we're focused on him. If you look at these things that Peter's bringing forth here in Second Peter, one of the things we should say is we have a solid relationship with him through all these different items. Uh, and, and now here's what you... So, Here's the understanding I have, and I think you should have this. How do we how do we understand what moral standards are? How do we understand what moral excellence is? Well, we're back to the same framework. We need to go to the Word of God. Uh, Word of God. Um, how, how's this? Let's do this. I'm going to throw faith into the water. Uh, we're going to lob faith like a stone in the water, and when the stone hits the water, it makes a ripple effect. And when you have a life of faith, that ripple effect are all these virtues, are all these. Uh, Assets that God gives us. So we'll have virtue. You cannot have virtue without being in the Word of God. To get, in order to understand what virtue is, you've got to be in the Word of God. And a believer can't even think right without the Word of God. So if we want to talk about moral, uh, moral excellence, uh, we've got to understand that Christ is in, exists in that realm. Because look at verse 3. We'll go back to verse 3. It says... Uh, 
through the knowledge, the second part of verse 3, it says, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory, and guess what? Excellence. That's the same word that's used here in verse 5 is the same word in verse 3. So Christ Himself uh, is in that realm of excellence. Uh, so we have to think God's Word in order to think moral excellence and produce moral excellence. And moral excellence, therefore, becomes a product of faith and the rest of the assets also develop. So the next thing that develops is knowledge. Um, let me erase this. And the next thing that is developed here uh, is knowledge. So we see, again, the same thing is we have an article in front of it. So it's the knowledge. It's, it's not just facts. It's not knowing some things, but it's knowing who the object of the knowledge is. It's knowing who God is, knowing God's Word, knowing His Son, understanding the person of Christ. Object is not facts, but a person. Uh, so when we talk about the object of faith, uh, we don't say, my object of faith is, you know, uh, the cross, the wooden cross. We say, the object of my faith is Christ on that cross. My faith is directed at the Word of God, which is the person of Christ. When, when, when John writes his gospel, he equates Christ to the very Word of God. So when we read the Word, we're spending time getting to know the person of God and the person of Christ. So don't think of it as fact-finding. Think of it as a relationship with the person of Christ. And so that's the knowledge that's developed there. And then here's the Word. This is what broke out this study. This is where we're at in the will of man study. Uh, this idea of self-control. Uh, how do you master desires? Uh, people were, a person asked me on email a few days ago, um, how do we master our thinking and our thoughts? Well, we begin with faith, which, which develops moral excellence, right? And then we have the knowledge and relationship with Christ. Then self-control. Uh, we have control over our... Uh, the King James calls this temperance, which is a nice old-fashioned word for self-control. But we should have control over our sensual, sensual desires, control over your senses, uh, because the power of the Holy Spirit indwells us to develop this self-control. And we would take that along with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. We develop self-control because we have faith. It's not willpower. It's spirit power working along with us, growing in the understanding of who and who the person of Christ is. So those are the four things. The next one is per patience or perseverance. I think uh, the translation I'm using up here, if you could see this, says endurance. This is a fun word. I don't know if uh, Eric can focus in on this, but I want to just go do this real quick. Um, I want us to look at this this word, hupomune, hupomune. Uh, a really fun word uh, it has to do with bearing up under a trial or to carrying a load without a collapse. So think of this in life. You're going to be carrying a load. <laughs> I think we all can understand that right now. Small businesses are hurting. Uh, we're all hurting, I should say. Um, and there's a load upon us. Now, we can't say, Lord, give me endurance. He's given it to us. How do we understand our portfolio of assets is to what? is to grow, uh, to, to have a faith. And again, we're going right back. Faith is the stone. Then it produces moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. And all these are not given out as a little bit, but it's in an abundance. We're tapping into the very source of God to get all of these in abundance. 
So I think that, oops, man, I'm making a mess. So that's kind of where we're at with that, that idea of bearing up under. So we have, again, let's walk through the list. We have the faith, the moral excellence, the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, and then it goes into we have the godliness. Again, uh, he's already talked about godliness. This again, just review real quick, means to worship well, worship right. How do we worship God? I think this is interesting because people always say, what is worship? Obviously this morning, uh, there's no band behind me. There's no choir. We're not going to have any music. We're not going to have any hoopla in here. Um, it's pretty empty. Uh, and this has been kind of a, a test in my endurance to, to go out here and, and speak to blue chairs. But as we see this, we worship not by singing and dancing and whatever we want to do. Uh, or It's understanding the person of Christ and taking faith to its ripple effect. And one of the ripple effects that come out of this, and remember, godliness is not uh, below knowledge or below self-control. They're all part of that ripple effect of faith. Uh, but we are produced and we recognize, I guess the best way to say, we recognize where real values lie. In life, we can look at a life, and I think godliness helps us identify what the re- real values of life is. Uh, where do we put our trust? Right now, our trust, if, you, if you've trusted your 401k, you've trusted business, you've trusted this, that's being ripped out from under you right now. How do you feel? Well, you, you feel, well, I'm going to help fi- fix that as best, you, as best I can. It's not a feeling, it's a relationship. And your relationship, no matter what, is in Christ. So if you die today, or you starve to death, or God forbid anything might happen, you still have life in Him. And I know that sounds kind of caustic, but it's a reality that He's not looking at the things of life. He's saying, where does your values today lie in? Where do you put your value in? And lastly, uh, we're going to see godliness produce... Well, not lastly, we're going to see second to last thing. Produces brotherly love. The word here is... Philadelphian, where we get our city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So what is brotherly love? Well, I think it's not just loving your brother, which that's what it translates into, but I think it's the ability uh, to love all. It's a family-type love, and when he's talking to the body of believers, do we love each other? Do we care for each other? Uh, this is a time where we should be bearing each other's burdens and spending time uh, in a relationship with each other. And then the last thing it gives, it gives to, uh, is the greatest of these three is faith, uh, hope of, and love. The greatest of these is love, is agape. And when we talk about agape love, uh, most people have some interesting understandings of it. But I'm, I'm going to say it's just a love that puts everybody else first. It's sacrificial. When Christ and when God loved the world through, through what His Son has done, He put the sacrifice of his son above all. So it's willing to say, can I put others first? Can I back down and sacrifice what I need for others? So what we have is best for all. And here's what agape love is. I think we can put it this way. It's the best for all in the light of the word of God. It's the, the, it's, it's the action of faith carried out in the world. So when we say, I have faith and I have the convictions of the word of God, it shows through by the action of love. Even though it's a noun here, I understand it's not a, a working word, but it is, it, you can't love in a vacuum. Love has to have other people involved. Uh, and it's got to be sacrificial. So let's look at verses 8 through 10 
real quick because I think this is the application of what we have of these things. And I think this is important because this is the key to the Christian life. So if there's some message I wanted to get out this morning to the world, uh, especially the world of Southwood Bible Church, one of the things I say, the whole key to the Christian life is priorities. Our priority, number one, is God has given us promises and we have to respond by faith. And if you don't know what God's promises are, you have not been in the Word of God, you need to be in the Word of God, spending time in it, and then respond by faith. And what does that mean? Give yourself over to the Word of God. Say, I believe what God's Word says, and the ripple effect of that will end up the place that you will, that it will lead you to agape love. So faith responds to the promises, which triggers these virtues, these uh, characteristics. But notice what it says in verse 8. I think this is fascinating. Because we need to see what, what, where, where this goes. Because it says, for if, well, um, now if you notice, um, if Eric can switch the camera. See, I'm not in the room alone, so it's good. So, it, totally alone. Eric's like more than six feet away. Uh, the word gar there, it, gar is, always, is never first in a sentence, but gar means for this reason. So, Peter's going to give us a reason why we have this ripple effect. And what's the, what, what are we going to do with it? What's the, what's the response of it? Uh, we can call this, let's do some exegesis on this. For the reason, being in you, abounding neither. Uh, now, these things, these things, uh, as we, again, what we look at is these things, these eight things we just looked at, faith to love, from pistoo to agape, um, these things, uh, we could say what, verses 5 through 7, these things are in you, for a purpose. What is the purpose that they're in you? Well, f- first of all, the the way the translation reads, these qualities, notice in the New American Standard it's in italics, these qualities uh, are yours, um, which is not a bad addition in there, but it's not uh, it's not a Greek word to line up for this. It's for these things are yours and are increasing. So <coughs> we look at this and there's two participles here. The participle here for being, uh, and the word here for abounding. So they're in you and abounding in you. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, uh, I, I, I want you to understand the word being here is not, they're now coming into you, coming into existence. This is in you. This is your possession. I think a better word would be here, uh, these are your possessions. Possessions. And they're, abounding or increasing so we could put in the word increasing if i get i'm not going to get it in here yeah maybe so they're abound these these are our possessions and they're increasing in within us and um and it goes on they render they render you now let me kind of do this um and this and they will they will not render you Notice that the the Greek here, and this is the exposition we're doing in here, so um, we can exegesis we're doing here. They neither—that's a negative, a strong negative. When you ha- when you understand what these are, and as as we exist in them and we possess them, and they're increasing, they won't make you idle and unfruitful. So if you want to know what an unfruitful believer is, an idle believer is somebody that doesn't tap into their portfolio and doesn't use their spiritual assets, don't spend time in the Word of God. Now today, I'm going to be honest, I'm not preaching to the choir like I sometimes do. Uh, I don't know how many people are out there in 
uh, face, I think my daughter's doing Facebook in the back row, and my son-in-law's trying to make sure the YouTube's running. But whatever's happening, I don't know how many people are out there, so I can't chastise anybody for not being in the Word of God this morning. But if you're not in the Word of God, this is what you could do. You, you will be idle and fruitful, unfruitful. So if you have a Christian life that's idle and unfruitful, back up, get in the Word of God, understand God's promises, and respond by faith. So again, we're looking at here, if you, ha- if you understand God's promises, plus, plus you respond by faith, you will not, not be idle and not be unfruitful. Obviously the opposite, if you're, if you're what, how we do this, not there, you will be, you will be idle and you will be unfruitful. So I think that's interesting how Peter looks at that. He looks at it on a positive side because he says believers should be doing this, uh, involved in that idea. This is working out pretty good so far. I don't know how you're getting it on your different displays, but that's what's happening. So what if these things are lacking? Uh, so wait, wait, let's back up for a second. Let's, let's, let's get a translation of what this verse says. For this reason, these things are in you. They're your possession. They're more than enough that you have in the, for the Christian life. So neither make yourself useless or nor unfruitful in the direction of knowledge of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what it's saying here is the direction should be uh, toward Jesus Christ. That knowledge should be directed at Him. And so you should be, <coughs> excuse me, not Corona, dry mouth. Um, you should be... Uh, and it doesn't matter, nobody to give it to. My Tigger cup. And I'm breaking my rule, but nobody's here to chastise me. Um, so as we look at this, the mechanics of the Christian life is this, and, I'm, and I don't want to make it mechanical, but it starts with the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, you cannot lead a Christian life, and you will have unfruitfulness and idleness. And you're in the Word of God, you see God's promises, you respond by faith, this triggers... Uh, these these moral attributes that are already yours in unlimited fashion that lead to agape love. And if this package this package exists, but I wish Peter was done because Peter is going to lay uh, lay it on his audience really thick now. Because he says in verse ten, and this is where we'll end this end this morning. The verse nine, excuse me. No, we'll end in verse ten because that only takes a minute to talk about it. But verse nine says. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from former sins. So Peter says, if you lack these things, and he's talking to believers, so believers can lack these things, these qualities. Again, he puts these in, uh, the uh, translators of the New American Standard put that in, but it just says, if you notice, again here, it says, if you lack these things, okay? So, um, if you lack these things. Right here. That's what he's translated as these qualities. One is blind and short-sighted. He is blind, and I want you to see this because I think this is important um, to see this. This word here for he is, Esten, it's, it's, it's uh, I'm me. It's a status quo. If you lack these things, your status is going to be blind and short-sighted and forgetful. Here's what's going to happen. And that's why Peter's book, first book was about remembering certain things. His second book is about remembering other things. Uh, it's basically, uh, he's repeating a bunch of Christian truths in Second Peter. 
But he says you're blind and short-sighted. Those are two different words for what your spiritual life is like. You're blind. You have no spiritual sensitivity. When he calls often, this word is used for uh, the blind leading the blind in the Gospels, that he calls the uh, uh, Jewish people who have rejected him as blind. And he's called the Pharisees, again, back to that, the blind guides. So they have no spiritual sensitivity. When we look at the word <coughs> being short-sighted, that means you only see here. Uh, any, anybody would know that's what? That's what? Nearsightedness. You, you, you say, I could see near, but, uh, or he's my, my optic. Uh, the only thing he sees is near. He doesn't get the details of life. He can only see what's happening right before him. So today, good application is, if you're a believer having a ton of trouble this morning, you have no spiritual sensitivity. You are short-sighted. You only see the things that are near because you've forgotten what? The, pur- the purification for sins. What Peter's saying is you forgot that you're a believer, that you're in Christ. You have this wonderful spiritual portfolio, and you're just looking at things right here. Uh, the doctor years ago gave me my, I'm wearing bifocals, and they don't work because I, t- I take off it like this to read, and it's much better. Uh, they work here because there's a mid-range in it, so I'm really good at the pulpit, but, for, but it's tough. I don't see near. And without these, I know the room's empty, but I don't see the room. So, the, you know, we look at this and we can compare this spiritual life with our eyesight, and that's why God often does that. What do you perceive spiritually if you're not spending time getting to know me in my word? And I think that's important. As Peter, sa- Peter says, this is where you're at uh, with that. Then there's a therefore clause in verse nine, uh, 10. He begins with therefore or wherefore, a deal. It's not a conclusion point, but he says, uh, and, and again, I want you to understand as we look at this, he's talking to brothers. He's talking to his brothers in Christ. This is not for unbelievers, but our believers cannot take, uh, uh, take a responsibility for this portfolio they've been given, and things happen. So Peter says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So Peter gives a, he gave a warning that if you don't do these things, here's what you are. You're blind, nearsighted, or short-sighted, and you've forgotten who you are in Christ. But now he says something. He says, Be diligent. Be diligent. Uh, again, this is used in 2 Timothy 2.15. I think in some versions this is study to show thyself approved. Um, it basically means exercise yourself. Uh, be eager to be one's best and do it quickly. And this is, uh, if you notice here, it's in the imperative. Uh, right here, that, that, that idea is imperative. He's commanding this. Peter's saying, brothers, you must be diligent to make sure of your calling election. He's not saying do this to make sure you're saved. That'd be wrong. But if you do these things, you won't stumble in life and you know you're saved. Kind of get what I'm saying? You want assurance? Take the portfolio God's given you and use it to get through life. And you won't. St- and notice what it says here. I think this is really neat as we get, draw, get close to a close. Um, I really want to take a second here because this is fascinating. Uh, we don't do this in English. There's a negative partic- particle right there next to another negative partic- particle right there. And there's the word it, that it's talking about, and it's in subjunctive form, saying this is a poss- possibility. Whoops. Possibility. You get what I'm saying. 
<coughs> so there's a possibility in your Christian life to stumble. Peter says, if you don't ever want to never know way, never know how, uh, I used to say, uh, ooken and mayin. Uh, you don't want to ook and may all over yourself in the spiritual life, which is in this case, no, no, never stumble if you do these things. Obviously, the the opposite of this uh, would be you'll stumble in the Christian life if you don't put these asset portfolio uh, things to use. And I think it's important. I'm going to read real quick from, I hope I left it here, from a uh, commentary on Second Peter. And he says, uh, The fruit we enjoy as a result of growing in Christ is not found in a multitude of material possessions, but in the abundance of the full knowledge of our Lord operating in our lives. This fruit helps us to see the things afar off. Put another way, in other words, if you live this life, you could see the distance, you could see the end. So right now, if you're experiencing the daily things that are going on, you're looking here. We want to look at the eternal things, and I think that's really good. So we don't want to be myopic, and we don't want to be blind. Um, put another way, it is sound remedy for poor eyesight and bad memory. Isn't that cool? He says, if you've been uh, seen a, a plethora of television advertisements for herbal medicines... You no doubt have heard that ingesting herbs will cure all kinds of physical and mental ailments. One highly visible ad promises its product will dramatically improve your memory. I'm sure that thousands, perhaps millions of people, have trotted off to the supermarket to pick it up. But all the herbal tablets in the world cannot stimulate our spiritual consciousness to remember where we were when God found us and turned us around for eternity. Peter's repeated pleas to remember, if heeded, can deliver us from being blind and from forgetting how small we are and how bigger God truly is. In addition, remembering how God saved us tends to squash our pride in self and prejudice towards others. Pretty solid stuff, isn't that? So let's pray and... Uh, Prayerfully, you've got something out of this class you can use. Um, we're going to meet back here in about 15 minutes for our second class on Matthew chapter 5. Um, prayerfully, everything went well with this recording. If not, we'll have to upload it at some point. So let's pray, and we'll close this. And I'll put up a uh, in five minutes a reminder class will start. Father, we thank you for this time. Again, as we've dedicated it to understanding more about who we are in Christ. Uh, to, to make this portfolio, our spiritual portfolio, an everyday occurrence, that we could throw the stone of faith into our Christian life and the ripple production will all bring us all the way to an, an agape love. And Father, that will help us through these trouble, troubling times. We will not stumble. We will not be fruitless. Uh, and Father, it's important for us to be the kind of solid believer in the community that we have our sight focused on the finish line, not on the temporary. Father, again, we thank you for the blessings of Second Peter. In Jesus' name, amen.